Hi everyone and welcome back to Where Joy Blooms, a podcast where we talk openly and honestly about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. Our aim is to have real discussions about the challenges, highs, lows and experiences that we all may face along this phase in our lives as parents or parents-to-be. We hope this podcast can help you feel better supported and less alone as you embark or navigate parenthood. And if there's a topic you'd like us to cover, then don't hesitate to flick us a message or an email. We'll put the details in the description. Okay, before we get started today, we would like to acknowledge the land we meet on today is the traditional land of the Ghana people. We respect their spiritual relationship with their country and cultural beliefs. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and pay respects to your elders past, present and emerging. Hi guys, last week Em and I had the absolute pleasure of chatting to Alana, a wife and mother of two from Newcastle. Her story is just so captivating and just too good that we couldn't fit it into one episode and it's going to have to go across two. (laughs) Yeah, Alana talks about the challenges of her upbringing and how it's changed and shaped the person and mother she is today. Um, But yeah, she's obviously got a lot to talk about and we don't want to give too much away so we'll let her do the talking. Um, Mm. but yeah before we get into it we just want to apologize if there's any technical difficulties with the audio we were recording across two platforms and then had to mesh them together (laughs) yeah we did have a few little technical difficulties while recording but um I guess that's just what happens when you're you know chatting to people that live in a completely different state to you and also with our very amateur basic equipment (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) But hopefully it will still all flow nicely and you guys will find Alana's story just as, like, inspiring, I guess, as we did. Yeah. So keep listening to hear more about Alana. Hi, Alana. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Hi. Thank you for having me. All right. Did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, like who you are, what do you do for a living? Yep, sure. So my name is Alana. I am first and foremost a wife and a mum of two. I have a little girl, three-year-old Harriet, and a little 12-week-old, or 13 weeks now actually, girl Minnie. Um, I'm a registered nurse and I specialise in paediatrics, um, and, but I'm currently on mat leave. But before my substantive role, I'm a, a CNC for paediatric surgery. Um, I've never really liked, actually, it's a lie. I hate adult nursing and each to their own and people might criticize me, but I, it's just not my niche. I love pediatric nursing. It's who I am. Um, and yeah. Wow. That sounds like a really interesting job, actually. Were you sort of always drawn to that sort of health side of things? Look, to be honest, it's a funny story. Well, not really funny, but one of those like ironic type stories. Um, I wasn't really that good at biology when I was in high school and I had a tutor and the tutor um, actually said to me, you know, you'd be really good. You'd like, you've got a nurse personality. You'd be really good as a nurse. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. And then the first thing I said was, how much do they get paid? (laughs) And then he was like, oh, I don't know, but let me find out. And then he actually came to the next tutor session with uh, the award that you can just get online. And then to me being, you know, a high school student who had no money, um, broke, was like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Like, can you imagine if I earned that much? And then it went down that path. I never wanted to be a nurse though. Um, I wanted to be, when I got into uni, I always wanted to be a midwife, but back in, listen to me, back in those days, (laughs) um, they changed. So before it used to be, you had to do a degree in nursing and then you would do a postgraduate, like 18 months or two years in midwifery to be a midwife. Was it like now that you can just do the degree? Um, So, yeah, I had to do nursing before I became a midwife. And then in my last year of nursing, they actually changed it to um, the degree. So then I'd have to do extra things. And then it would take me, um, even though my degree would be credited, it's still 18 months to two years. And I really hated working for free. 
Like yeah. if anyone has done pracs before, um, working or it feels like like it, they're very important, but like, yeah, to slog those hours for no money and then to work, you know, to live after those hours, it's such a hard slog. And then to think of doing it for another 18 months to two years in midwifery, I was like, I don't think I can do it. Maybe it's something I'll come back to. Um, And then I was like, well, what's the next closest thing to being a midwife slash babies? And it was, yeah, I thought of paediatric nursing because I still got to have something to do with the parents and the children, which is what intrigued me about being a midwife. Like you brought the babies into the world, but you had a lot of like um, nursing care with the mothers. And then I fell in love with it, never went back. I have never thought actually, to be honest, now that I do what I do, I've never thought about doing midwifery. I don't want to, um, yeah. but it's funny how things change. Yeah, definitely. Wow. That's such a good story, actually. Like, it's funny how, you know, you find yourself in a position that you didn't think you would necessarily enjoy, but, yeah, good on you for finding your sort of niche and rolling with it. Yeah, I don't know. It's once I guess it's for anyone. Once you find it, once it fits, like you know, like a Cinderella type story. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously we've been chatting a little bit on Instagram before this, and you're telling me a little bit about your upbringing. Did you want to share that with everyone? Yeah. So my upbringing is very left of centre. Um, people tell me I could probably write a book. Where to start is like, I don't know. It's a bit hard not hard but like where do you start when it's all it's yeah yeah, it's kind of like a fairy tale not a fairy tale but something you'd find in a movie so yeah cult is the wrong word and I people and I'm sorry if I do offend but people may get offended by that word but I believe and growing up in it that I grew up in a cult um my I am from an um an immigrant family my mother is Filipino my father is um a Kiwi however I don't have anything to do with him so we ended up as immigrants in this country I think I was about four three or four years old um, when we were here and um, from there so my I was pretty much raised by a single mum I did have a stepdad as married again but then they divorced Um, but she ended up starting in a church when I was about four or five years old um and you know back then it was innocent I was an only child so I loved playing with the children and I remember my mum actually saying to me um growing up I would never have kept coming back to the church if it wasn't for you because I was just always hungry to play you know you're a kid hungry to play with the kids I didn't have any siblings etc um and then I guess that's how they sort of drew on her um, the reason why I call it a cult, though, in for me, in my heart, that's what it was. They used to, um, so they do believe that they speak in tongues. They're born again from the Mother Mary. They tell you who you can marry, um, what to yeah. wear, like you can only wear certain clothes, who you can marry. If you marry, you need to move. Like they've got very strict rules of what you can do. You can't have, like, communication with the outsiders. Um, so quite controlling in that sort of aspect of it all. Yes. Mm. I didn't – I was young, so I didn't know, but, like, um, family, friends, like, they're very close to me now that I grew up with. They've also left this church. I was actually asking only this year, actually, about, like, oh, did you have to actually give money? Yes, I didn't realise because I didn't work, but, yes, there is, like, that component as, a, as well that they have, like, a – your expectation to give so much amount of money out of your pay per week. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like they're all over. It's not like, you know, you're big, um, I don't want to name names, but it's not like you big, huge ones. Um, people often ask me like what the church is called um, and they all have sort of different names or different gospels, but they are like there's one in Newcastle, Sydney, um, Brisbane, like they're all over Australia and they've even gone all over the world. I remember growing up they were going to different countries and stuff like that as well where they could get following. Yeah. Um, I know that there has been um, some like I guess some Australian talent that um, have been in it as well. They've been from a different portion like in the country, but I do remember going like there's a big massive church camp and going to the church camp with them as a child and that. 
too. Um, and then looking back, like it is very surreal. Like my husband, he grew up in like your normal, um, I say normal, but you know, you, you know, mom and dad and grew up with like in schools and didn't go to church like I did kind of thing. Um, and I remember telling him like, oh, every year I went to a church camp and every morning at seven o'clock we had to go to a prayer meeting. And then after that we went to a, um, uh, well, I guess people would call it a sermon. We used to call it a talk. And then that would go until like 11 o'clock. Then from 11 until four, you had, I guess, free time. And then you'd have to share on that. And then you'd have your meeting again. And then it would be on repeat. Wow, so it would, oh, wow. like, take up your entire life, really. 100%. Like, when, like I used to go to church on a Wednesday evening um, and then all day Sunday, like, you know, um, being half Filipino now and coming back to it as well, we're Catholic, um, but you go to, and they can, you know, if you're very heavy into the Catholic church, you could go to a, um, a service for, like, two or three hours, but that's excessive. Like, I was going all day on Sunday from like 9.30 till 4 p.m. Sometimes we'd have like youth on Saturday, then Wednesday evenings, and sometimes they would do other things. Like it was very, if that wasn't your life, you were made to feel shunned or that you were doing something wrong, Yeah. which then led to my mother. Like my mother is, um, and looking back now, she probably had some mental health issues that weren't really picked up on, but she was still very functional and to me, she was my world. Like I, like I said, we grew up with a single mom, even though she married, they did divorce when I was quite young. Um, and yeah, it was tough because she yeah. had a, um, I guess you could call it a mental health breakdown. I remember we were in the Philippines. I was 10 turning 11. It was, I spent my 11th birthday over there and she had a massive argument with my Nana um and we'd been to a church camp and then went to the Philippines to see my um family as well but the camps and where my family was were in completely different areas and even that was an ordeal I remember my mum being upset because the church didn't want her to go and see her family because they weren't part of the church yeah. and then she had to I guess deal with the reprimand of my old school Catholic nana um who didn't like that she was in a new church and then from then she actually was never the same woman. I think that was like the straw that broke the camel's back and she got really paranoid and um, she just turned. I just remember she just was not the same person that she was and to this day she's not the same person. Um, but when we come home, people could start seeing the, um, the difference in her and her behaviour um, and she got really obsessive with like for anyone listening or I don't know if you guys know, but there's a thing called Bible numerics. So like one equals unity, two equals division, three equals completeness, blah, blah, blah. So if we were sitting in the church and there was, um, for example, two people in that row, she would have to move because she would think that we were going to be divided. Like we couldn't go through shopping aisles that had um, down certain streets, like just, yeah, crazy. Like it was like the, I guess what she'd learned from um, the Bible and whatever sort of mental health breakdown she was having at that time was all sort of joining. Yeah. Uh, and I remember they said to her, the pastor at the time said to her, like, um, you're not right. There's something wrong. And they just told her that she wasn't right with God and that she, and this is why this was happening. And then if you, being a nurse now, and I don't have, and it's for personal reasons, I haven't been drawn or I'm not very good with mental health nursing, but I know that your first mental health um, visit or encounter is like one of the most important for when it comes to like healing and recovery in the future. Um, and I can only just think like what, how it could have been different. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like for them, I, everyone's faith and everything is, you know, each to their own, but for them to turn around and say that you're not right with God and that's why this is happening, go home and get right with God and then you'll be better. Yeah. Um, my mother now still lives in her own little deluded world. She's lost over the years. We've seen her lose her job. She has no work. Um, you can barely, she's not who I, like, she's not who I remember. Um, mm -hmm. 
you can we I'm pretty much the adult of her now she's been homeless lived out of a car like I've seen a lot from her and had to deal a lot but that's it's all sort of stemmed with all I wanted for her was to get help but because I didn't believe in it we never got there yeah and then I guess me I remember um just from us talking when you said like why did I leave or what happened um I just got to an age I was about 14 or 15 and I had my friends like school friends and they didn't want you to like you said it was very controlling and isolating they didn't want you to be around them but as a teenager that's so important to you that's what you need yeah definitely um and yeah I started to I guess sort of see a different light and then when they all I wanted was my mum to get help and when no one was helping my mum um taking to a hospital helping her I think like my eyes just opened I was just like well this isn't right do you know what I mean like yeah we need sure. uh, how can you say that you know where this with God and God is helping us when at the moment like I can see my mum suffering and that also means that I'm suffering so my mind's just kind of um changed and so I left it was like a, um, to leave, though, isn't really easy. Mm. Um, I remember when I did leave, the pastor said to me, you're a pretty and innocent girl, and pretty and innocent girls don't stay that way. Oh, gosh, what a thing to say. Um, yeah, very interesting thing to say. And then he also said that if you are... Uh, my mother was still in the church at that time, and he said that if you ask your mum to come back and she comes to me for advice because that's obviously what they do. You have to go and ask them for everything. Um, He was like, I would be telling her to, it's not the exact words, but I would be telling her to say no until you really sort of hit rock bottom kind of thing. Like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, so really just trying to, I guess, deter you from leaving in the first place and trying to control your decisions. Yeah, 100%. And then because, you know, lots of people, they don't have friends, they don't have family because they've been in this environment for so long. You know, those kind of, or I guess they really are, the threats, those threats are what control people and make people so scared to leave. Yeah, that's it. And so when you left, did you leave completely on your own? Like, did you have anyone with you that you could, I guess, go with or...? So it's a funny story, a funny ironic again story <laughs> about how I left. Um, obviously, growing up in that kind of religion, I don't really believe in God, but I do believe that there's some kind of something. The fairies are out there. Um, the stepdad that I that my mum married and that they divorced. So they divorced when I was about nine or ten, just before we went to the Philippines. And my mum had a mental break, um, and we lost contact with him. However, when all this was happening, I was about 14 and I left when I was 15, but I used to catch the bus to school at the front of the local polls um, and I'd caught that bus for so long and never seen him and then all of a sudden, probably about three to six months before I wanted to leave, he's at the bus stop. Oh, wow. Yeah, catching oh, wow. the bus as well. And, like, I remember seeing him and he remembered me and I remembered him and then we just start talking um, we just start talking and then one day he was just like, why don't you come over for a cuppa, like for a coffee? So then me and my girlfriend, we went for a coffee and then sort of just went from there. We went for a coffee, got to know him um, again. Like I'd always remembered who he was. Um, got to, it'd been like five, yeah, four or five years since I'd seen him. Got to know him again um, at like an older level, built that trust and then um met his like he's had children so met his like children again and stuff and sort of got um back into the family and then I just remember one day when I needed to leave one day just saying can I just stay here for three months until I find somewhere else to go and then that three months turned into three years but would saying that the when I stayed there, he lived in a one-bedroom apartment, so I had, like, you know, your Clark's rubber mattress that was behind 
his wardrobe that I used to lay on the lounge room floor mm-hmm. and then every morning pack it up behind his wardrobe. It was that thin. Yeah. Just to make my – yeah. Um, like I remember having like a – I don't know, those tall, long, I guess, shelving cabinets and that's where I used to put my clothes and that. Um there was no privacy when I was 16. I had a like I had a boyfriend and I had him for a long time, but like I spent a lot of time over there. Even my husband now is like, you slept on that mattress on the floor for that long. I was like, yeah, this was my home. Like wow. that's what it just really shows me too now, and I want my kids to know that now is that you can turn anything into a home, and like you don't need. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. But you don't like, need a lot of things and, yeah, you, yeah. I guess you've made the most out of uh, a relatively crappy situation and, yeah, you you went and did it on your own and it just shows that, like, if you're determined and, you know, if you look after yourself and, and that's what you want to do, yeah, you've got to be open to anything these days, don't you, in terms of... Like if you want to get forward in life and sometimes you do have to go through these rough patches to then find the light at the end of it. And yeah, you've definitely. Yeah, he definitely saved my life. I say that. From, so he had one rule because I was in um, year 10 going into year 11 and he said the moment you leave school is the moment you leave this house. Yeah. So, and I was on the verge, like I didn't know what to do. I was on the verge of leaving school. I was like, do I leave? You know, I have to work full time to try and survive and that. Um, And just, yeah, put a roof over my head. I worked at a takeaway shop. um, And then, yeah, like I I ate a lot of bacon and eggs because he was old and like that's all he used to eat. He was old school and that's what he used to eat. But like I used to study, I used to have one of those little outdoor dining, not dining tables, sorry, the little outdoor tables, you know, the circle ones with the two chairs. Oh, yeah. They're like your token. I had a lamp on like the back porch and that was like my study for my HSC. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That was my study desk for my HSC. Like, um, I look back now and just think, how did I sleep on that mattress? How did I do that? Like, yeah, but... I don't know. It was it was home and it felt good. And he passed away just before we got married. But um, even like me and my husband being in that small, you know, little unit um, when we were cleaning and packing everything up was it's to both of us. It still felt like home. Like he was just that person, um, and he really did save my life. And that's what I mean. Like I just when looking back too, you think, oh, it was meant to be. But then I also think like. If they didn't divorce or my mum really got help, maybe things would have been different Different. as well. Yeah. And I guess growing up in that way, you didn't really know just how controlling and stuff it was until you got a bit older and you started to make friends outside of that space and realise that, hey, maybe this isn't actually a healthy way. Yeah, definitely. Probably around, um, I guess, puberty, like in year seven, year eight, I started to notice that my life was different. I used to get invited to like, you know, parties and sleepovers and I was never allowed to do any of it. Um, I couldn't even play sports. I was quite good at netball growing up. Um, I used to play the school sports and I was really encouraged to start doing it on the weekends, but I was never allowed to because um, if the church had something on, that was the main commitment. We couldn't go to school camp. So, yeah, like I was... um, And obviously I used to lie. I used to be like, make up some reason why I couldn't go to make it better for myself. And, you know, so I wasn't essentially picked on to be like, oh, well, you can't go kind of thing. Um, And then as you get older, I guess you kind of get resentful as well that you're always the odd one out. Yeah, definitely. Mm. So did you like the friends that you made I guess when you started to hit puberty and your school friends did you continue to keep those friends when you left um this cult environment and went out on your own like were they somewhat a support base for you uh yes definitely but where um my stepdad lived was about 10 minutes away so I actually and I did that on my own accord um 
moved schools. So I moved to the next local high school. So I still remain friends with them. Um, and some of them I still do to this day. But I um, ended up with like just changing high schools, ended up with like a new group of friends. And then I've got like a close knit um, circle now that I'm still friends with. Uh, so, like, I guess it's sort of evolved and not in a bad way, but, like, yeah, it's just sort of because I changed schools. And I needed to do that. I could see myself um, spiralling. Yeah. I, could, um, I was getting in a bit of trouble and in a bad crowd and I was getting in trouble in, like, the high school that I was. And so um, when I guess it was a wake-up call for me when my stepdad said that, you know, if you leave school, you leave this house. So I sort of just had to be like, well, I need to, you know, you're a bad influence, so I need to walk away from that or I'm not making the right decisions, which is why I, in my mind anyways, that's um, for a 15-year-old me, which is why I wanted to move schools. And, you know, I guess it worked out. It worked better. Yeah, definitely. It was like you just needed that fresh start almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so when you finished school, like when you finished year 12 and decided to go to uni, did you then have to move out of your stepdad's house or...? Um, I didn't have to, but I'd definitely outgrown it, like, and I'd outgrown it from, you know, the moment that I'd walked in the door really, like, you know, I'd slept on a mattress on the floor He also smoked, so um, (laughs) this is like great parenting one I won. So every and I at that stage picked up smoking, but I used to wake up to a rolly (laughs) for me, like a tobacco rolly rolled for me, and we'd have a cigarette and breakfast every morning. So it was (laughs) like things like that that I definitely outgrown. Plus, um, I was a teenager going partying and that, and he, um, you know, I'd come home and I'd sleep in the lounge room, but you could hear me come in at three, you know, four o'clock in the morning and stuff, which wasn't great. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have to, but I definitely wanted to. Um, so I moved out with some, sort of lived, I guess, a bit everywhere. I moved out with some acquaintances that I worked with at a takeaway shop until I found my own little it was just like a one-bedroom, um, you wouldn't call it a unit, but it was like a house that they just divided the rooms up um, until I was able to get one of them while I was studying and I was able to get like Centrelink and rent assistance and stuff like that. Yeah. And did you just live by yourself? Yeah, I had a boyfriend at the time and I lived, I lived by myself, I think, for two years until we decided to live together. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And so how did you go going through uni and, you know, studying, working, trying to do everything all on your own? Look, it wasn't easy and I, it's honestly a blur looking like trying to remember. Looking back now, like I remember bits and bobs of it. Um, It definitely wasn't easy. I do, I worked a lot. Um, like I worked at Target at a takeaway store. Um, I remember going out and partying a lot. <laughs> but Yeah, I, I guess that's like, you know, that's what all uni students do, right? I, I remember when I was at uni too and I lived in a college where, you know, there was, I, I don't know how many, but over 100 people that lived there. We all had, like, our own separate rooms and stuff. But, yeah, it was just, like, a housing sort of um, unit and it was it was, a par- it was a party house. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why it's a bit of a blur. Like, I didn't live in a party house, but, like, I did go out and party a lot and I worked a lot in between. So, like, I remember I would finish at, like, 8.30, go home, shower, then go out again. Um, yeah. And I was only just talking about that yesterday that if I was, you know, with my baby wakes up a couple of times in the night and I'm like oh I'm done I can't do this the next day but like I would go out party and come home at like four o'clock in the morning sleep for a few hours and then like on repeat I'm like I don't know where I found the strength to do that it's amazing like how you just yeah you adjust and I feel like when you're young you're so resilient as well and like I, I don't even know how I would be able to do that now there's no way I could do that yeah exactly and you become I remember being resourceful like I couldn't afford the textbooks and you can only um 
rent the textbooks for as long, I don't know, for a certain amount of time. So I actually photocopied um, my important textbooks. Yep. Um, yep. If they were small, I photocopied them and then bound them. Um, and then the others that I would just borrow from the library. So, you know, I used to walk around rocking like photocopied textbooks where everyone had like <laughs> bought them and stuff. Um, oh. Yeah, just things like that. It was definitely hard, but it was definitely rewarding. Um, yeah. I remember I wouldn't have been able to have done it without, um, like, you know, the he a hex debt. Mm -hmm. I did have a hex debt when I finished. Uh, but the fruit was ever so sweet when I, um, when I finished. Like, I was very, like, I've done this and I've done it on my own. And... Um, I think my husband actually says to me a lot now that like that's one thing he was drawn to me when he met me was that um, I had a career in how I've done it. Not that I've done it by myself, but like I have something that's mine that I've done it on my own before we ever met. Yeah, that's right. And I think it just shows like the type of person that you are, like you're determined, um, you're a hard worker, like, you know, for someone to be able to put themselves through the remainder of school and then go on to do uni like it's really inspirational just to like hear all of that and hear your story and you know now you've got an amazing career at the end of it all well i do thank you thank you um thank you for that it's, it feels i get really awkward when people say nice things <laughs> thank you um but like i do remember when i left home as well my mum said to me that um you, oh, something along the lines she said that you'll come back you won't survive without me and you'll come back and then I said you just watch me and I've always had that in my head like I always had to be like one step ahead yeah like, um so even when someone told me that I it, yeah couldn't I was like well I can yeah 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 that's it you've you've got that headstrong attitude by the sound yeah. of it if you don't mind me asking, do you have contact with your mum now? Yes, so I do. She actually only lives a 10-minute drive away now. Um, it's a very muddied, I guess, situation. When I was going through uni and living before I moved away for work, she knew where we live and um, oh, just her mental health just became too much. She used to rock up at my house and knock on the windows and know that I was there and I'd be asleep on night shift and, like, just keep knocking, you know, like kind of not vandalising but, like, until I'd wake up and let her in the house and she wouldn't leave and then um, just be really inappropriate with some things. So at the moment she doesn't know that we live so close but we see her about once a month. I want her to have a relationship with my kids um, but I'm also very aware that my kids and hers relationship is very different to what, like, my mother-in-law, like, on my husband's side, their family um, and father-in-law's relationship will be. Yeah, that's fair enough. And what about the rest of your family, like, from the Philippines? I know you mentioned before that you were over in the Philippines when you were 10 or 11. Do you, like, get to go over there often? Do you keep in contact with that side of the family? So, yes, yeah, so we... Um, very interesting as well so my birth father i'm actually an only child from him and my mum but i'm um one of 10 kids on his side um that's its own story in itself which is interesting but i have a um half sister that um we're 10 years apart from his side that i have a good relationship with when i found him um and then found the other siblings the others um I've either met once or I haven't met at all. And then with the Filipino side, um, when I could afford it, uh, I started to go over to the Philippines myself. It was sort of, I guess, my Bali rather than um, going to Bali. Yeah. Because uh, it's cheap and, you know, like a third world country. And then um, as I grew, I started going over every 18 months to two years. My husband now, I actually joke that he is um, more philo than what I am because he just froths off it. Like he just loves, he loves the culture. He loves the beer. He loves just sitting there and, you know, just talking smack, even though like half of the English and conversation is broken. Um, there's good surf over there. So he loves going and like he's a surfer yeah uh, so before covid we did try and go every you know 18 months to two years 
Um, and then now we're actually going over for Christmas and New Year's and we'll be there all of like the end of December, all of January, which is the first time we've been um, since 2019. Oh, that will wow. be nice. Yeah, we're very excited. Um, we've actually, so speaking like my fellow family, we've actually sponsored my cousin. Um, her and her husband have come over here to Australia um, on a student visa. So she's studying Juris Doctor, so law, and then he's on her visa. So they're working and studying at the same time. Um, but kudos to them. They've actually left their four kids back in the Philippines to try and give them a better life. Wow. Yeah, that must wow. be a big decision. Um, yeah, it was. And, you know, like Nathan and I wanted to, we'd always had in our head that as we got, I guess, more financially stable and more in our life and our family grew, we wanted to try and, um, I'd never had any family. So it was always something that when we got serious, that that was something that I'd like to offer. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, this certain cousin took up the offer and I'm very close with her anyways, have been since I was a kid. Um, and it's just sort of worked out that way, which has worked out interesting with our family dynamics because when we had Harriet, our eldest, she was a prime COVID 2020 baby born in July. Um, there was a time there where the, the hospital was telling us that it may be that like my husband couldn't come with me into the birthing suite. It might be a drop off and pick up situation. I might have to birth alone. Um, and I was fully freaking out and then coming home, being alone. We didn't have, we lived two or oh, three hours actually from um, my mother-in-law and his brother. So, you know, any kind of family support, my mum is obviously the way that she is, to being now having them here, yeah, like life is busy, but like with having my second daughter, Minnie, and having some support now and like even just looking over into the lounge room um, and she's cuddling Minnie so I can, you know, speak to you guys and do this podcast. Yeah, that's nice to be able to have that support, definitely. I mean, I'm sure it um, gets hectic in your house at times, but, yeah, like, I feel like I have no family here and no support because they all live interstate. And, yeah, some days I'm like, I just wish that I had someone that would just come to my house and help me out a bit. Yeah, yeah. The, dy the dynamics definitely, like, having someone, like, doing it from three years of no help to now having some assistance like the dynamics are definitely different and yeah I totally like understand like you get to the end of your tether and you know your partner will come home and they need a break because they've been working but you need a break but there's no one to you know there's not that third party to tag team out with no yeah and sometimes no. the kids just need a break from you as well I think 150% yes yeah yeah <laughs> I think emotions run high and then how like you know you're not mentally there as well and you're sort of at the end of your tether where you need like and you know 30 minutes to yourself they probably they need 30 minutes of something different um and how do you manage that do you know what I mean like how do you make that healthy between everyone so you can keep that that balance that keeps everything going day to day yeah, exactly. So did you find second time round that that transition to having another baby was a little bit easier because you had a bit of extra support or did you find the transition from one to two kids really hard? Um, I don't want to be shot um, because of saying this, but I actually didn't find the transition too hard um many people warned me and said going from like you know we've got friends that have two kids three kids four kids many people warned me and said like going from one to two is the hardest transition that you'll so I was and I don't know if it was because I was expecting the worst um like I, yeah I was expecting the worst and to be like well, what's going to happen everyone says that it's really really difficult I don't know if it's because I had um so it's definitely helped having the extra support but in saying that though like my cousins they're not here until five six o'clock in the evening so I'm at you know the mornings I do by myself all day I do by myself unless there's a random day that they're not working until the afternoon yeah um so yeah I think it was just 
I don't know what it is. I think definitely the age gap. Like Harriet is three and she understands a bit yeah. more. Um, I did have we had some friends over the other week and they had like an eighteen month old and the whole time I was just thinking I couldn't do this. I take mm-hmm. my hat off to mums that um, have like you know pretty much two. an older baby and then a baby. <laughs> yeah, two two under yeah. two seems like a lot, doesn't it? Yes, and I would definitely be wanting to rip my like I take my hat off to every mum that's done it. I don't know how they do it because they were at my house for like three hours and by the end of it I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) It's so funny. Me and my partner wanted another one pretty close to Olivia. Um, But now that we've got her, we've gone, oh, nah. We can wait if we even have another one. Yeah, you're like, this is hard work. Maybe we just need to wait a a bit longer. And I know Brit said that to me. She's like, no, no, I wanted a big age gap for a reason. And then I was like, I understand. I get it now. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally, totally. Yeah, Um, it's funny. Like, I don't, I I really don't think that there's an ideal age gap as such. But, like, when people always ask me, you know, if the age gap between my girls is good, like, there's about two and a half years between mine, um, Hallie actually would be the same age as Harriet because she was a June 2020 baby. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think, like, honestly, when I look back, Hallie was only just ready. Like, when Remy was born, like, if Remy would have been born two months before then, I think it would have been so much harder because, like, right when Remy was born, Hallie was fully toilet trained. She just was so much more independent and it just made everything a lot easier. Made that transition definitely easier, I think. And, yeah, I, I just don't know how I would have handled it if she was, you know, only two or only 18 months. Yeah, and, like, that two months, like you just said, that two months makes all the difference. Like you said about the toilet training and everything with Hallie, like the same with Harriet. Harriet was toilet trained and then I don't know if it happened with you, but the same with um, what happened with me with Harriet was right at the end of my pregnancy and then when Minnie was born, she actually really regressed in her toileting, was having a lot of accidents. um, Yes, yeah. And a lot of poo accidents. And I, I sort of just felt like, a bit at a loss as well like we'd worked so hard we've gotten there and, and then you have a newborn on top of it um and then yeah it was like not having a toddler again but do you know what I mean you felt like you'd taken a few like a lot of steps backwards yeah yeah for sure yeah Hallie definitely went through that same sort of thing as well and I think that you know it's obviously natural when a new baby comes into the dynamic and all of a sudden the attention's not a hundred percent on them um, and yeah, you start to see, uh, I, I guess, a bit more of a regression coming from them. Yeah, it's very, um, it's not very fun. We're just sort of getting all Minnie's thirteen weeks now, and we're getting over, we're starting to get over that hump um, yeah. of the regression. But like, I was, yeah, almost like, is this normal? I don't know if this will end. <laughs> it was funny actually. Like one of my friends, she has two kids as well, and when her baby was born her eldest had a regression as well like she was actually wanting to wear nappies um she wanted to have her dummy back um and so they almost yeah went really backwards where to the point where they then had to get her dummy off of her again and then a few months later her sister actually had a baby and then the same thing happened again like her toddler wanted her dummy back wanted to put nappies on and they had to go through the whole process of getting the dummy off of her again oh i feel for them but that also makes me feel a little bit better (laughs) yeah it makes you feel like okay i'm not the only one going through this and yeah it's it's normal yeah that's it and i guess that's also um one of the things too that like um i guess having the no support that I had to figure, like, you know, we've got very good um, friends, but, like, between Harriet and Minnie, like, um, it's a bit different because Minnie's my second child, but having the um, the questions, you know, like, with my mum and being the way that she is, I didn't have that, you know, that soundboard to bounce off as well. Like, I couldn't pick up a phone call and say, is this normal? Can I do this? Or um, what did you do with me kind of thing? Like, I, re- I feel like I was a bit robbed and... Um, like yeah, robbed in that kind of situation. Yeah, 
definitely. Well, Alana, I was thinking maybe we might jump back. Well, I guess it's kind of a little bit back, but also forward because I wanted to talk to you about when you met your husband and then how you started your life together and how you became a mum and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. So um, I describe my husband and I, we've been together for I think 10 years this year, but I describe us as a one-night stand gone wrong. Um, we met uh, in Sydney at King's Quest Hotel and I was in a phase of my life where I was trying to be a little bit more, um, not have flings and see, like I was all, I've always been like a serial, I guess, data. Like even though it wasn't serious, I've always had like a fling and been with a person for like a little while. And yeah. I was trying to be a bit more adventurous in my life and then it just backfired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but for a very long time we were like oh it is what it is and kind of I guess closet lovers Um, and he had a trip booked actually to go to America only for a month but I was and then a few months after that I actually was booked in to go traveling overseas in um, Central and South America I'd be learning Spanish for um, three years to uh yeah learnt Spanish for three years to because that's what I wanted to do was go and work over there indefinitely um and then I we just thought that when he went to America that it would be like oh well that's done see you later yeah Um, but for some reason it stuck and uh we kept talking while he was over there then he come home and was like Look, he actually, it's actually quite funny because he says to this day, no, it wasn't like that, but I believe it was, said, I'm going to come, I want to come with you on your trip. So he skate crashed my trip, but it is what it is. And we actually travelled for um, seven and a bit months through Central and South America together. Um, and we'd only been together for about six months. So everyone was very like, oh, you haven't known this guy for long you know, what's that going to be like? Are you sure? Rah, rah, rah. And we were both just going to, we were both just like, well, if um, it's going to make us or break us, if we don't come home together, then it is what it is. Like, you know, you're going to be in someone's pocket 24 seven. What's the best way to test their relationship? Yeah, that's it. That's the real test, isn't it? So, and we've had some epic adventures in that time. And like, look, it definitely did test the relationship. Um, at times like you know you're carrying your backpack and doing like these sketchy dodgy things like from Central and South American buses like going over crazy sketchy bridges and stuff like that and you're at your all time um, you know you're tired hungover high in a different country like you're at a like a heightened level emotionally and um, he didn't speak Spanish as well so there was a lot on me and my Spanish was I wasn't confident I learned like my confidence grew by the like at every day as I was over there. So he was um, very reliant on me to speak for him, which also tested the relationship because I used to be like, well, why don't you learn? Why don't you go and, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was just a lot on you. Yep. Oh, well, you stand the test of time and <laughs> here you are. And then, yeah, so here we are now. And then we come home. Um, so we didn't even live together and did like do that. And then we come home and then um, uh, moved in together. And then I think we got engaged maybe like we've been dating for like three years and got engaged. And our engagement story is funny because he got so nervous. He um, proposed in the Philippines, but he wanted to give a toast and he's not a public speaker. And my best friend was over there with us. Um, and my best friend's a male and uh, when Nathan kept trying to give a toast, he kept fumbling on his words and couldn't really get it out. So my best friend kept saying, I think what um, he's trying to say is X, Y, Z. And then Nathan was like, no. Um, and then kept fumbling. And this happened like three or four times. And my best friend just kept sort of, I guess, interrupting, thinking he was doing the right thing. And then Nathan just ended up blurting out, we're going to get married. And he didn't, and everyone just like, you know, cheered and everything, but he didn't actually propose. It was he didn't actually ask you. Yeah. 
or ask the question because he was so nervous and then caught off guard. <laughs> oh, the poor thing. Um, that makes for a funny story, though. Yeah, no, it's a good story, and we, you know, we like we love it. And we still talk about it, and um, I guess it's just typical. Like you know, you try and help, but stick your foot in it as well. So yeah that's uh, and then like family wise to answer the next part of your question uh family wise we knew that we always wanted kids but we wanted to i guess um have some time and try and buy a house and um uh, before we started a family like get a bit more settled we were also living in sydney at the time and we knew my husband's from this um was born and bred down the far south coast so a small little town that's only got like 200 houses no shops just beaches um and i grew up two hours north of sydney and i only moved when i finished um uni and moved for work and so we knew we didn't really want to we'd had enough of sydney and didn't want to live in the hustle and bustle i'd been there for about eight years and he'd been there for 10 years so we're a bit over it um and he so we decided that we would build um buy and build a block of land um, where i'm from um and then when we decided that we were ready to have children we thought it would just be not easy as such, but we thought, you know, I'd go off the contraception um, and then we'd start trying for a baby, but it just didn't work out that way. Well, Alana, I think we've probably taken up much of your time today. Yes, so what I I've probably do... spoken too much, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're such a good speaker. You are. I know, I've been fascinated listening to you. I forget that we're recording because I'm not just listening to the podcast. Because <laughs> I'm just so invested. <laughs> but I don't want to take you away, you know, from your kids for too long. So what we might do is we might stop it there. And I reckon, yeah. like, if you're comfortable, maybe next week we could jump back on and we could do, like, your actual pregnancy birth stories with the girls. and Yeah, of course. Go through that if you, if you want to. Cool. No it was so lovely to meet you briefly on Zoom and, yeah, chat to you um, and listen to your story. You're a really good speaker. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much for having me. Sorry, I get really awkward with the compliments. But um, <laughs> thank you very much for having me. And, yeah, if you think of any other questions, like with my life or I don't know if you think of anything else, feel free to ask. Like I said, I um, I always thought about, just with my upbringing anyways, thought about doing some kind of motivational speaking, like growing up from nothing. Yeah, wanted, for sure. I wanted people to feel like they didn't have to grow up and be the same but I never yep. knew how to do it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. No, thank, thank you. you. Have a good rest of the day. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. Okay, we will continue with Alana's story next week where we will talk to her about her pregnancies and her births and everything kind of continuing on from where we left off. Yeah, and as always, follow us on Spotify so that you don't miss future episodes. And um, follow us on Instagram as well so you can keep up to date, share your thoughts and let us know if there's any topics that you want to share. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye.